Thanks for the opportunity to be with you today. Uh, Tammy and I love uh, this church and many of you we've known for a long time. You gave us the privilege of serving here from 1993 to 2019 and with about 20 of those years as your pastor. Um, I'm, I now lead an organization called the Baptist Foundation of California and, and, uh, but I'm really a pastor at heart and really you shaped me you developed me, many of you mentored me, and so I'm incredibly grateful and honored to be with you today. I'm also super excited because uh, we have a new pastor coming, and he snuck in today, so Josh and Elizabeth, we are so thrilled um, that you guys are here and so thrilled that you're coming to Pathway. I don't know if I was supposed to introduce them or not, but I I did. I, I love Josh and Elizabeth and their kids, and they're trying to get settled in town before they start here in a couple weeks, and, and I'm super excited uh, about that. This morning, I, I want us to examine four verses from the book. I'm in the dark. I'm going to move. Four, four verses from the book of Psalm. The book of Psalms is Psalm 146. So if you have a Bible or a digital device, whatever you use, open it to Psalms chapter, Psalm chapter 146. Now, the last two and a half years have been a wild, wild ride. Can we all agree about that? Yeah, and it it gets crazier and crazier, doesn't it? I don't know when the craziness is going to end. I mean, so much has transpired in the past several years, two or three years. We've experienced political challenges and unrest, social challenges and unrest, racial racial tensions, a public health crisis that we've never seen before. Um, Now we're in the midst of watching a a devastating and tragic war take place in Ukraine. Uh, On the home front, inflation, uh, the end of June, the new numbers are 9.1% percent inflation that we haven't seen for 20 plus years. Our church has been through a couple uh, pastoral transitions. We are in the midst of some crazy times. And this morning, I want us to turn our attention toward the only person that can bring peace in the midst of chaos. I want us to turn our attention toward the only person that can provide for us in the midst of skyrocketing inflation. This morning, I want us to turn our attention toward the only person that can protect us, satisfy us, and more importantly, save us. And obviously, that person is Jesus Christ. And I want to ask a simple question as we start out. It's what I titled the message today, uh, and we're going to start and begin with this. A simple question, where is my Can you say that with me? Let's say it all out loud together. Where is my heart? All right, that was sort of weak. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Where is my heart? Now, obviously, the the simple, some of you are going, well, duh, it's just to the left of the center of my chest. So, yeah, that's physically where our heart is, but Every time the Bible talks about our hearts, it's not talking about the physical organ that keeps us going. Every time the Bible talks about our heart, it really refers to the center of our being, who we are. So this morning, the question, where is my heart? In the midst of the last two or three years that have been crazy, our hearts have gone a lot of places. Some of us, our heart is with the hope of a particular political party. That's a terrible place for your heart to be. For some of us, 
our heart has gone to maybe a health official. It's a terrible place for your heart to be. For some of us, our heart has gone to the Supreme Court because lately they've made a couple decisions that some of us like. Not really a great place for your heart to be. For some of us, now I manage an organization that, that manages about $200 million for other people. So this next statement, some of us, our heart is gone to the economy or the poorness of the economy. I struggle with that one because we, we, manage, we manage money for Pathway Church, the organization I lead. And so there's some responsibility that goes along with that. And so I pay attention to the market more than I should. But my heart's not there. It drifts there often and I gotta pull it back to where it ought to be. For some of you, maybe your heart is toward the next election. Not really a good place to be. For some of us, our heart might be with our kids or a spouse or better yet, our grandkids. Now that's okay if your heart's with your grandkids. Okay. Let's read Psalm 146 beginning in verse three from the New Living Translation. It says this, don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. That's a great verse, isn't it? And then the writer of Psalm goes on to say, when they, the powerful people, breathe their last, they return to the earth and all their plans die with them. Some of you are thinking there are a few powerful people. You'd like them to breathe their last, but that's a different story. Verse five says, but joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. In the last couple of years, we placed our trust in a lot of things. I mentioned health officials, government leaders, an election, economy, uh, maybe a recall election, stimulus checks. We're, we're, our, our, our state's sending out new stimulus checks, I, I guess. And we've placed value in a lot of things. And we've had broken promises from leaders. We've had a failing economy, I mentioned. We've had leaders from opposing sides claims that their, claim that their plan is the best. And verse 6 here says that God keeps every promise let that sink in that's encouraging the reality is human leaders no matter how powerful how spiritual you can put whatever adjective you want there they will all fade away god's the only one worth following a few weeks ago, we celebrated Independence Day, July 4th. It's a great day. We celebrated the birthday of America. Tammy and I got on our bicycles, and we rode from our house. We live near Moore Middle School, and we rode up, and, and we watched all the fireworks a few feet from where they were launched at Moore Middle School. It was a lot of fun. It was pretty cool. I, I was proud to be an American that night. It was, it was a great experience. I mean, we celebrate the freedoms that we enjoy as Americans, and I, I love America, but we all know there's no human leader worthy of our hearts no political party is worthy of our hearts no governmental authority is worthy of our hearts no spiritual leader besides Jesus is worthy of our hearts yes we love America we should be good citizens we should exercise our freedom to vote participate in our democracy but we also recognize that only Jesus has the ability to bring lasting change in people's lives 
Only Jesus is worthy of our hearts. I have three truths this morning based on Psalm 146, and then they're emphasized in several other passages in the Psalms as well. Here's the first one. Jesus alone is worthy of all my trust. God keeps all his promises. That's what the psalmist wrote in this text this morning. God made all that is, and his son Jesus is worthy of my trust. Now, as followers of Jesus, we don't place our trust in a career. We don't place our trust in education, in finances, in our family, in the political party or candidate, because we know that every human institution, every human being is prone to sin. Again, we love America, but we don't worship America. Only Jesus and his eternal kingdom is worthy of our complete trust. Jesus has no weaknesses. We all know that. He's pure. He's holy. Now, on July 3rd of last year, 2021, Tammy and I went to an Angels game with some family members at Anaheim Stadium. Uh, the Angels won. I think it was the last game the Angels won was last year uh, at that time because they haven't won. They're terrible. But after the game, there was a fireworks show. It was Saturday night. They often do fireworks on Saturday night. But this was July 3rd, the day before Independence Day. And the fireworks show, it was off the chain. It was amazing. It was so good. And we left being proud of America and proud of the country we lived in. But friends, my hope isn't in America and neither is yours. Our hope isn't in social reform or political reform. Our hope, our complete trust is in Jesus. Psalm 28 verse 7 says, The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. So here's the question. We started with it. Where is my heart? Where's your heart? Is my trust in the hope of a recovering economy. Hope not, because there's no sign of that any time in the near future. Is my hope in job reform? No. Is my hope in the next stimulus plan? Hope not, because it's it's not going to solve anything. Is my hope in a party platform? Maybe your hope is in the Supreme Court or social reform or democracy, or maybe your health. Friends, our complete trust has to be in Jesus alone. Only Jesus can guarantee your future. Only Jesus can can bring healing in your life. Only Jesus can satisfy your every need. Only Jesus can provide what you need for your family. One of my favorite verses in Psalm or Proverbs chapter 3. It's very familiar to many of us. It says, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That's why as followers of Jesus Christ, our only goal is seeking the approval of Jesus. So what does that mean practically for us? Maybe instead of using social media to promote your social or political cause, why not use it to promote Jesus? Instead of arguing with a neighbor or coworker about religious or social or political differences, why not nurture a relationship with that person with the hopes of having the opportunity in the future to point them to Jesus, the only one that we should place our trust in? I mentioned the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, right before they closed their session, issued some rulings uh, recently that maybe many of us agree with and we're grateful for. 
Most of us value life from the womb to the tomb. However, as you figured, in fact, if you haven't figured it out, not everyone agrees with the Supreme Court decision recently, right? You're like a hermit if you don't know that because it's all over everywhere right now. This isn't the time for us as followers of Jesus Christ to gloat or plaster social media that we find the one or that we're right. That's not the time for it. Now's the time for you to support causes for foster care and adoption. Now's the time for you as a follower of Jesus Christ to value life and to put your money where your mouth is, not use social media to say that you won or that you're right. That serves no good purpose. How about this? Every time you begin to worry about the future, use that as a reminder to pray and place your complete trust in Jesus and his purpose for your life. Instead of worrying about the economy, which I'm prone to do, instead of worrying about the economy, why not talk to Jesus about how you can use your personal resources to further his kingdom on this earth? Instead of being afraid of dying of COVID, be more concerned about people around you dying without Jesus. The ultimate loss isn't dying from COVID. The ultimate loss is dying without knowing Jesus. Friends, Jesus deserves all my trust. You all know, I've talked about it last time I spoke, and our, our kids are missionaries serving with the IMB in a predominantly Muslim country in Southeast Asia where it's illegal to proselytize and nearly impossible to convert to Christianity apart from Jesus. And like many of our missionaries, they were stuck here for the last two and a half years. They were here nearly every Sunday. They were stuck here because of COVID. They were frustrated. Finally returned to the country they served. But several times during their stay here, we talked about their delay. And like others, they were forced to trust God with their future. And there may be something going on in your life right now where you're, have, you're being forced to trust God with your future. Friends, all of us are called to trust God completely with our future because Jesus is worthy of our trust. Here's the second truth. Jesus is worthy of all of my allegiance. I, I like that word. This is important. The psalmist said this referring to God. In Psalm 119, verse 117, in the message paraphrase, the psalmist is talking to God and says this, stick with me and it will be all right. This is the psalmist speaking to God. I'll give total allegiance to your definitions of life. What was the psalmist saying here? He was saying, God, as long as you're with me, I'll be okay. I'll follow your direction for my life and everything will work out. If Jesus has my heart, then my ultimate allegiance belongs to him as well. Yes, we should stand for truth. Yes, we should advocate for organizations that promote biblical values. But we have to constantly steward our voice and our lives to const consistently and constantly proclaim the gospel message of Jesus Christ to our neighbors, our coworkers, our community, and to the nations. That's what's most important. And if Jesus is worthy of my allegiance, then that means he receives more of my time more of my talents, and more of my treasures than anything else. So let that sink in for a minute. And here's what that might mean practically for us. Do you read, study, and memorize God's word more
often than you watch or stream Fox News or CNN or ESPN or whatever the case may be. In fact, how about this one? Do, do you pray more in Jesus' name? Do you pray to Jesus each day more than your daily screen time, especially on social media? I got a text this morning. It's one of those, uh, you get them too. On my watch, it shows up in your phone. Here was your daily screen time this past week. Do you guys get those? Do you look at them? I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Said my screen time in the last seven days was up 10% from the previous week. Now, I do a lot on, I, I, I mean, I read my Bible on my, uh, on my phone or my iPad. Um, I'm preaching from an iPad. So my, I, I mean, I'm on a screen a lot. And my daily screen time went up. But it makes me think, okay, am I spending a similar amount of time with Jesus every day. How about, does Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or whatever you want to put in, fill in the blank with, do they get more of you than Jesus does? So who has your allegiance? Jesus or fill in the blank. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3. I like those names. I like saying them. I wouldn't recommend naming your kids any of those names, but I do like the names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3. In Daniel 3, King Nebuchadnezzar makes this decree. He orders everyone in the country, including them, to bow down before a golden statue. And Everyone did except three individuals, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused. And they said this. They said, our God is able to rescue us from your power. But even if he doesn't, we will never serve your gods or worship your gold statue. That's total allegiance. They said, we will never worship your God or your statue. I mean, you know the rest of the story. They were thrown into this fiery furnace, heated up like seven times hotter than normal. The people that threw them into the furnace, you know, several of them died from the heat. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't killed. They came out without a hair singed on their head because God was with them in there. Friends, that's total allegiance. I mean, in the midst of the pandemic, I mean, we were told that we couldn't meet in church or indoors and all that, and we all lost our minds and everything. But can you imagine being told you have to bow down and worship this gold statue or you're going to die. And Shadrach and Abednego said, hey, we will never worship your God or golden statue and our God will protect us and even if he doesn't, we won't bow down. That's total allegiance. Does Jesus have your allegiance today? In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John you can read in Acts chapter 4, they were brought in before the ruling council and commanded never to preach or teach in Jesus' name. You imagine being told? You can never speak the name of Jesus. Their allegiance was with Jesus, so they kept preaching about Jesus. If you read in Acts, the book of Acts, the next chapter, Acts chapter 5, they were brought in a second time, and the rulers said to them, hey, we told you to stop preaching and teaching about Jesus, and now you've filled Jerusalem with your nonsense about Jesus. 
To which Peter replied in verse 29 of chapter 5 of Acts, we must obey God rather than human beings. Try to put yourself in their shoes today. I mean, we, were, we went crazy when we told we couldn't, we couldn't worship inside. They were told you can't even speak the name of Jesus again. Peter and John's allegiance was to Jesus alone. So where's your allegiance this morning? Some of you have met one of my brothers who lives in the Middle East. He and his wife serve with our mission sending agency. In fact, they were here last summer. They serve with our mission in a sending agency in a closed country in the Middle East where it's illegal to preach the name of Jesus. Uh, they were in severe lockdown for a good portion of 2020. One occupant was allowed per whatever once a week to go out and get an hour a week to pick up food, their family's ration of foods. They sent me a video once of an armed military personnel picking up and beating residents who were outside uh, unauthorized. That's sort of crazy. We don't understand that in America. To serve in that country, their allegiance has to be with Jesus and Jesus alone. But here's the reality. If you want to make a difference for the kingdom of God in your home, in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, then your total allegiance has to be with Jesus alone. If you're going to call yourself a follower of Christ, then your allegiance has to be with Jesus alone to give your life for his cause, the gospel. Several years ago, it was over 20 years ago, actually, Tammy had the privilege to lead a team of ladies from this church to the island of Cyprus for a gathering of women missionaries. Donna, were you there? Yeah, Donna was there. For a, for a gathering of, of, of women missionaries from North Africa and the Middle East. Tammy led a team of ladies from this church to lead worship for these ladies. Just a few months later, a lone gunman entered Jibla Baptist Hospital in Yemen, where her friends Peter and Donna used to serve. A lone gunman, it was in December of 20, 2002. Is that right, Donna? Is that the year? Almost 22 years ago. December of 2002, a lone gunman entered Jibla Baptist Hospital and murdered three of our IMB, our Southern Baptist missionaries. One of those individuals that was murdered, and her name was Martha Myers. She was a physician that worked in the hospital who happened to be in Tammy's small group at that missionary gathering on the island of Cyprus several months earlier. Martha and two others were martyred for the cause of Christ. They willingly gave their lives for the sake of the gospel. Friends, that's what it means for you and I to give our total allegiance to Jesus. That's for hard for us in America to wrap our minds around, but that's what's required of us. Jesus is worthy of your allegiance and my allegiance. Here's the third truth. Jesus is worthy of all of my hope. If all of my trust is in Jesus, all of my allegiance is with Jesus, then it makes sense that Jesus is worthy of all of my hope. Jesus alone is sovereign. He's worked through every world leader, good or bad, every single one. He's accomplished his purposes through all 46 of our U.S. presidents. One day every world leader Every U.S. president 
will bow down and confess Jesus as Lord. In fact, one day you and I, one day every person will bow down and worship or confess Jesus as Lord. He's the only one worthy of our hope. Our hope has to be in Jesus alone. Psalm 33, verse 30, verse 30 says, we put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Throughout history, leaders have risen and fallen. U.S. presidents have come and gone. Forty-five of them have gone thus far. One king has remained constant throughout history, and he's not up for election, re-election, or recall. And regardless of who controls California or American or world politics, Jesus is still in control, and he's worthy of our hope. Now, when I start to worry about the economy, and I'm, I'm pretty good at worrying. I used to say it's my spiritual gift. I'm good at it. When I start to worry about the economy, I have to pause and force myself that Jesus is my only hope. When I get freaked out about COVID, and most of you know I'm, I'm like a germaphobe, there's a hand sanitizer right over there, right where, you, right where I used to sit every Sunday, because I'm a little crazy about that stuff. Um, we had an incident this week. Tammy and I were traveling this week, and we were in Oklahoma to bring my mom home, and some family members there had COVID, so I went and got a hotel room and didn't see my family members at all because I'm a little freaked out about this. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of that. I just don't. I shouldn't even say this out loud. I've never had COVID. I shouldn't say that out loud because that means I'm getting sick next week. I, I know that. I, why did I? Dang it. I shouldn't have said that. I'm a germaphobe. I use hand sanitizer. Uh, currently at the foundation, uh, we have multiple staff members in the last few weeks that have been out with this, new, with this new strain of COVID. But when I start to worry about the virus, I have to remind myself that Jesus is worthy of my hope. He's my only hope. If your job shut down during the pandemic, you quickly realize, hey, your only hope is in Jesus. If your school closed down, which all of them did, you realize Jesus is your only hope. Last summer, Tammy and I were grateful. Uh, our kids, all of our kids were in the States last summer. And Tammy and I were grateful. We got to spend uh, a week in Hawaii with our three kids, their spouses, and at that point, our three grandkids. We have six now, but that's just a whole other side story. Uh, but we were, and my mother, my 80, back, my 83-year-old mother, that, sorry, Mom, I just told them all your age. They're 83, my 83, she's 84 today. I'm really in trouble. Uh, my 83-year-old mother as well was with us, and uh, Mom was a pastor's wife all her adult life. My dad pastored here in California for about 40 years before he retired, and he passed away in 2014 with some complications from heart surgery. But while we were in Hawaii last summer, we, uh, we, there was enough of us. We chartered a boat and went fishing and went snorkeling, had a great day. And we decided uh, the last thing we were doing on this boat, we went into this great cove where there's this reef to do some snorkeling. And mom said, no, nah, I'm not going to snorkel. So the rest of us got out of the boat. And then I looked back, and she's climbing down the boat. Change her mind. She's climbing down the back, and the captain of the boat's trying to help her in the water. So I swim over to her, and she, she holds up her arm, and she's got her watch on. And uh, it's not like mine that can withstand the water. So I grab her watch from her and tell her I'll swim it back to the, uh, the boat. And, and then I say, give me your rings too. And she said, no, no, my rings are fine. You know where this is going, don't you? <laughs> so we snorkel for an hour or two whenever, however long we snorkel. We get all the grandkids and the kids. We get it, my mom, get all back in the boat. And the, the captain of the boat starts to head out of this cove. 
And my mom holds up her hand like this. And there's nothing on it. And she's across the boat from me, and I'm like, she said, I lost my ring. I said, what do you mean you lost? She said, it fell off while I was snorkeling. Her wedding ring. So we told the boat captain about it and his assistant, and, you know, they said, well, we'll keep an eye out for it next time we're out here. (laughs) My thoughts exactly. So every day my mom, multiple times a day, would say, has anyone called you telling, they, telling you they found my wedding ring yet? She, like three or four times a day, she'd ask Tammy and I this. And I got to be honest, I'm like, okay, mom, you're a little gray, 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 you know, you're a little, yeah, you, you know, the Pacific Ocean is big. I didn't say this out loud. This is what I'm thinking. I was a little more respectful than I am right now to my mom. Uh, but I was, uh, <laughs> I, I, I was like, uh, I, I was like, mom, she's, she'd ask me multiple times a day. No, no one called me. And she would say, well, I'm praying that somebody finds my ring and they call you. To which I'm, you know, I'm not as spiritual as my mom because I had other thoughts like, yeah, it ain't ever happening. So multiple times a day. So three days go by. And one morning my cell phone rings when we're in Hawaii. And it's a Hawaii number. So I answer it. And this guy introduces himself and he says, hi, my name is Captain Dan. And he names the charter company he runs and he said did you lose a wedding ring and he named the reef we were at I'm like well my mom did he said could you describe it to me well no I couldn't so I asked Tammy to describe it my mom was asleep in the other condo at that point Tammy described it to him then he said can I text you a picture on this phone number I said sure so he texts me a picture of my mom's wedding ring and so we make arrangements to meet him later that day here's what happened he's out there with a group of people a tour they're snorkeling they're in this little cove near Captain Cook's monument on the Kona coast of the big island it's the reef that Finding Nemo is like, uh, you know, it's the reef that Finding Nemo is patterned after in the, in, the, in the movie Finding Nemo. There's this beautiful place to snorkel and then this massive drop-off. It's great to snorkel because they bring big boats in there and they park where it's real deep and you swim a few feet and you're over this reef. So he said, yeah, we were out there. I, I had a group of people. I decided to get out in the water and I was looking. I swam to the edge of the reef and I saw something sparkling. So I dove down and found this ring. He said, then I swam from boat to boat. There were, I don't know how many boats in there. There's often maybe a dozen boats in this cove. He said, I just swam from boat to boat saying, did any of your your snorkeling folks lose a ring? And he got no, 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 until he got, here's the great part, is the boat we chartered three days earlier was at the same location again, And he swam up to that boat and said, hey, did any of your folks lose a ring today? And they said, no, but three days ago, a lady lost a ring on our charter. And so they exchanged phone numbers, and this man of Captain Dan calls me. So we drive out to the marina where his boat was that afternoon, take my mom out there, and we greet him. He gives my mom her ring and then gives her a huge hug, kisses her. And he said, I've been doing this for 20 plus years. He said, I've never experienced anything like this. And then he, you know, named some Hawaiian gods that must have been looking out for us. And my mom said, oh no. 
I've been praying for three days that God would help someone like you find my ring, you know. It was such a, a cool, cool thing. Now, I'm embarrassed to say that my mom had her hope in Jesus the whole time, and I figured her wedding ring of 63 years was gone for good. Here's the point. Jesus cares about every detail of your life. I'm not promising if you lose your wedding ring, he's going to find it for you, okay? But he cares about every detail of our lives. Jesus is worthy of our hope. So let's circle back to the question we started with. Where's my heart? Let me ask it a different way. Who has my heart? Who has your heart? Does Jesus have your heart? This is the most important question of all. Your answer to that question, does Jesus have my heart, will solidify your position in eternity. Think about this for a moment. Does Jesus have my heart? A couple years ago, I read a book. I wrote a book by J.D. Greer. J.D. Greer is a pastor in Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina. He's a former International Mission Board missionary. And J.D. Greer wrote a book called, What Are You Going to Do With Your Life? And in this book, he talks about how Jesus wants all of us, all of our heart, our hope, and our allegiance. And he illustrated it this way. He said, Jesus wants a blank check of your life, not a gift card. Because if you give him a gift card, you control the level of your generosity. That's why you give gift cards to people on their birthday or you don't give them a blank check because you want to control your level of generosity, right? JD said, Jesus doesn't want a gift card. He wants a blank check. And then J.D. went on in his book to say, actually, if you're under 40, you don't know what a check is. You don't use checks. None of my kids use checks. So he said it this way. He said, if you use the Venmo app to send someone money, by the way, we owe one of our kids money. Just reminding me, we got to Venmo our kids some money. They they bought something for us. So if you Venmo somebody using the phone app or if you use Zelle or one of those other apps, you, you send some money using Venmo or Zelle, you control your level of generosity, right? J.D. Greer in his book says, Jesus wants the login credentials to your life's bank account. Giving Jesus your heart isn't Venmoing him every now and then. It's not giving him a gift card or giving him a portion of who you are is saying, here's the login credentials to my entire life. So does Jesus have my heart? If the answer is no, then I invite you today to give Jesus your heart and life. If the answer is no to that question, then Jesus is calling you today to surrender control of your life to him. How do you do that? You pray. You talk to God and you admit that you're a sinner. You ask for forgiveness. Then you give Jesus control of your life. You hand him the login credentials of your life. And if you've never made that decision, I invite you to trust Jesus today. In a moment, we're going to pray and give you the opportunity to do so. Does Jesus have my heart? If your answer is yes, and many of you, your answer is yes today, then I challenge you to recognize what this means for you personally.
It means you're a child of God who's placed your total trust, allegiance, and hope in Jesus Christ. You're a part of the body of Christ. All of your trust is to be in the truth of God's word, his word. All of your allegiance is to his mission to seek and save all who are lost. That's your purpose in life. And all of your hope is in his rule and sovereignty today and his promise to return one day for those of us whose hearts belong to him. So does Jesus have your heart. Psalm 146 says, don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth and all of their plans die with them. But joyful are those whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. Let's pray together. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, then I challenge you to do so right now. Right now, say, God, I need you. Say, God, I'm a sinner and I admit my sin to you and I ask you to take control of my life. And Father, I give you the login credentials of my life right now. Father, I pray for every person in this room. I pray that your spirit would be challenging them right now to a deeper walk with you. I pray that your spirit will reveal sin in their lives. I pray your spirit will reveal areas where they have placed their hope and trust and allegiance. And you would draw them to place their hope, trust, and allegiance in you alone today. Father, we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.